Good afternoon and welcome to the Power Up Show. You're with Mia and Paul. As always, asking you the question, how can we take your business to the next level? We have an exciting guest in the studio today and I'm not embarrassed to say that I'm a little giddy, Paul, <laughs> but we'll get to that soon. What's on the agenda giddy for today? Giddy or dizzy? Oh, a bit of both, I'm going to be honest both, yeah. with you. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, good afternoon, Mia. Good afternoon, everybody. It's great to be back here again this afternoon. And uh, on the agenda today, we have our, your, our usual Q&A. So we're going to be looking through some of the questions that have come through to us on our social media accounts and uh, giving you some uh, our thoughts on the questions that have come through from various people. Um, we're going to spend a lot of time today with our fabulous guest, uh, Leah mm. Zalams, who joins us from uh, ZX's uh, Leadership Consultancy. And we're going to devote a lot of the show to talking to her today because there's some wonderful content to share with our, our listeners that's going to come out of the show today. And uh, at the end of the show, we will uh, basically, as ever, get uh, our friends Julian Annin from Pick a Mix. And uh, we'll always look forward to their, their show following ours. And um, yeah, we'll have a chat to them at the end of the show to see what they're going to be up to today. Um, so you're listening to Power Up with Mia and Paul on a live 90.5. And you're back with Mia and Paul on the Power Up Show, asking you the question, how can we take your business to the next level? Uh, Paul, you have some questions. You've been surfing our social media pipes and you found some interesting questions which you're going to blindside me with. <laughs> yeah, as always, there's a few questions that have come out that are really good ones this week. Um, the first question that I have through this week comes from Jane in North Parramatta. And uh, her question was simply, what makes a good business mentor? Oh, wow. What makes a good business mentor? Wow. That's such a, I think it's probably a contentious issue amongst certain people because there's a difference between a mentor and a coach in my mind, in my personal opinion. And for me, when I look at getting in a mentor or a coach, I ask myself the question, where do I want to take my business? What am I struggling with and what do I need to do? And then I'll actively go look for a coach to help me. But here's the kicker when it comes to me, when investing... It costs so much money to invest in a coach and I'm prepared to invest in the right type of coach. But as I said, here's the kicker. What is your personal business worth? If I want to grow my business, I want to know that you have grown your own business. I want to know that you've done a fantastic and phenomenal job. It's almost like when you go see an investor and you say to an investor, here's $100,000, how are you going to invest it? And then you say to them, let me see your portfolio. And they go, oh, I don't have one. Oh, mm. mate, you're not getting my money. Forget mm. that. Mm. Mm. So my last investment with the business coach um, was relatively expensive. And I said to myself, I want my business to hit the million mark, million dollar mark, at which point I said, well, what is the right coach for me? Well, I expect him to have made 10 times more than I did. Mm. Because why would I want to learn from somebody who's made the same as me? I expect someone better. So I invested a lot of money. My current mentor or business coach, however you want to throw it at me, his business is worth $500 million. Oh, mate, you tell me to jump, I'll say how high. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's about um, different things can work for different people. I think that uh, it's always important that people just don't jump at one particular solution just because it comes um, easy to them. Um, people uh, like to learn in different ways, and I think um, it's important that people don't don't forget that. And uh, they take take some time to choose to be surrounded by the right person or the right people that can help them with their business. Mm. Um, so uh, it's not a uh, it's not an easy one to fix, but I think probably to help Jane with that one in terms of um, it's not necessarily about them. Sometimes it's about you. Yeah. What do you want? What are you expecting your business coach to do for you and help you take your business? 
business to where dot mm. dot dot absolutely okay i'm going to go into question uh, number two it's coming through this week from adam from northmead adam says i manage a team of people with varying age uh, sorry sorry start again i manage a <laughs> team of people with varying age, varying age ranges certainly uh, were teething to say that one and i'm finding this a challenge as i relate more to people of the same age group um than people of other age groups any quick tips um and uh, do you have some thoughts on well that paul one? i imagine that was off one of your linkedin posts where you spoke about that very topic um and i know you left it a little bit open because you wanted people to engage with you around that mm. topic so you know what? i'm mm. going to fling it over to you you can fling this one <laughs> over to me that's absolutely fine yeah look i think it's fair enough to say that uh, you know generational differences can create challenges in in the workplace i find myself having regular conversations with, with with people about that and uh what uh be, what i'd like to send through to uh to adam um is uh is basically a white paper on this that's uh recently been published which is based on australian-based research um that looks at uh different uh, people of different age ranges and takes some real data on the things that basically that really satisfy them in the workplace and the things that are dissatisfied by and uh, hopefully there are that's some quick tips in there that will able to uh, give them instead of on the right and understanding there's five generations today that work in the uh, workplace. there are Five generations. Right? There are five generations that exist in the workplace at the moment. Although um, of that, uh, the veterans are only a very small percentage. Uh, um, I imagine so the millennials are exactly right. Yes, up, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and I think that's going to shift a lot. So, um, there's a there's an interesting piece in this uh, this white paper that talks about how by 2025. Um, the uh, Gen Y, for example, at the moment, which uh, makes up around about um, 6% of our workforce, will be 27% of the workforce by 2025, mm. which is uh, not very far away. No, and Adam, I've read that white paper. Do yourself a favour when Paul sends it through. Have a good look through it because what you'll find is is that the key determinants of what makes a person happy, it's pretty similar through all the age gaps, through all the age groups. It there is, are it some, is. some subtle differences, but the the similarities are there. So there it's not that, e- not that difficult to please five generations. Uh, well, I wouldn't say this is a, wasn't that difficult, but what I would say <laughs> is that uh, often you get uh, feedback comes through that everybody's so completely different. How can people connect with each other? Um, but you're absolutely right. Um, in terms of things that uh, that people like to see in the workplace, um, there is some some commonality that exists um, uh, throughout uh, throughout the generations. So um, so it's not as not perhaps as bad as sometimes people think. And I think the important thing about this as well is that uh, this is research from close to home. This is Australian based research, so this is not something that come out the UK or the US. Yeah. So hopefully Adam, that helps. have a good Adam. read. Yeah. Uh, the next question comes from uh, Peter, um, who is in Stanhope Gardens. And Peter says, I've done a lot of networking to try and build my business, um, but I get a feeling I need to do some cold calling. How should I ensure I'm not wasting my time? I'm definitely <laughs> flicking this one through to yourself. I here. love cold calling. And I'm guessing, again, it's of one of our posts that we had about cold calling. And the reality is, is that cold calling is actually not a four-letter word like most of us think it is if we do enough preparation. So, Peter, my advice to you is very simple. Identify who your market is. What is the person that you're looking for? What is the business that you're looking for? Find out who the right person is to speak to. Make a list and start calling those people. It's 90% preparation, Peter. Don't just randomly pick up the phone book. Well, I suppose we don't have phone books. Don't randomly uh, Google business advisors and just start phoning them. People have got so many different expertise and different areas of speciality. So find exactly what you're looking for. And believe me, it's a numbers game, but you've got to just pick up the phone and make the phone first phone call. And I'm pleased to say I do remember phone books as well. (laughs) (laughs) 
One, we got time for one final question. Yeah, you one final question, super quickly. Quick. Uh, Susan's for Liverpool says, uh, "I feel like I need to brush up on my skills um, as a leader within my business, and I've heard a few about diff- few different leadership courses around. Which one should I go to?" I suppose that goes back to my very first statement: is find the right person that resonates with you, who's going to take your business to the next level. Uh, I would also recommend that you listen to Leah and what Leah has to say today, because I believe that the, the strategies that she uses, the avenue that she uses to talk to leaders is a really good strategy to take. So have a, a listen there. And if you want to reach out to Leah, we'll have all her details on our podcast. Yeah, no, to- totally agree with that. I think that's absolutely right. I think it's really about finding something that you're actually comfortable with yourself. Um, but uh, but we've got a lot more of that coming through from, uh, from from Leah today. You're listening to The Power Up Show with Miriam Paul, taking your business to the next level. We're on a live 90.5. We'll be back soon with our special guest. And that was Queen, We Are the Champions. And, Paul, I was just chatting with our guest now, interestingly enough, around the question about coaching and mentoring. And she's provided me with an amazing diagram, which I suppose sums up exactly what I was saying, thinking about a coach versus a mentor. And I'm going to put that up on our Facebook and and through LinkedIn for people to have a look at because it's quite insightful, the difference between a mentor and a coach, showing you definitely move away from the coach and find yourself a mentor. Mm, absolutely, no. That'd be great to have that up there, and uh, something we can share with uh, our listeners. And it's uh, yeah, an insightful piece of information. So, I'm now going to introduce uh, Leah Zalams. Uh, Leah Zalams is the founder and director of Z-Axis Leadership Consultancy. Uh, Leah has a rigorous approach to leadership development, um, getting win-win outcomes for CEOs and their teams and their and their business. Uh, prior to running her consultancy uh, over the last three years, Leah has three decades of experience in sales, business development, and in the life science and technology sectors. Um, she's a published biochemist. She holds a Master's of Science in Coaching and Psychology from Sydney Uni. And outside of the business and work, um, I like to pick on a few th- other things. Uh, Leah is certainly a uh, passionate uh, health fanatic, uh, much like myself and Mia, clearly as well. Um, <laughs> yes, that's but, what I say every day. <laughs> that was what we used to be, uh, <laughs> or tried to be. And um, and certainly one of the things that, uh, that, that Leah finds herself doing these days is running marathons, New York, Port Douglas, Gold Coast, uh, Paris coming up in in April, I believe, Leah. And uh, at that particular time, uh, you're also going to head down to uh, Croatia. And um, I've got a fun fact today about uh, Croatia to share with you. Um, one of my experiences, I've always been to Croatia once in my life. And uh, in Croatia, by law, you have to drive around with your um, headlights on. And uh, Leah, seems you're actually going to be uh, there on a push bike. Um, just be, don't be dazzled by the headlights. But welcome, Leah. It's fantastic to have you uh, here with us this afternoon. Oh, and thank you, Paul. Thank you, Mia, for this amazing opportunity. Oh, I'm so excited. I've got to share with you. Paul shared his daggy Croatia story. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to share with you my daggy Leah story. My cousin and I, my best friend in the world, he met a woman by the name of Leah and they ended up getting married. And I was the maid of honour for Leah. And the minister who knew us very, very well, it was always Terence and Mia, Terence and Mia, standing with Leah and Terence at the front, turned around and said, Terence, do you take Mia to be your wife? Oh, no. (laughs) To which I said, I bloody well hope not. (laughs) (laughs) And Leah was not impressed. (laughs) So so when I think about the name Leah, I always go back to that fateful day where (laughs) I was not very popular. (laughs) 
Leah, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here because you're going to talk about a subject that I find absolutely fascinating, a subject that is relatively new in, in its, well, it's in its infant stages at the moment, but it's something that subconsciously or consciously people have been trying to implement successfully or otherwise into their lives. And you're looking at formulating that for us in a, in a way that we can understand it better and start implementing a little bit more effectively. But before we do that, we want to play a quick game with you so we can get you all settled into the studio and ready to go. It's called Smart Donkey. And your buzzer is your name. So if you want to give it a go, Paul. Yes, I remember my name. Yes, go. <laughs> so we'll call you John today. <laughs> and Leah. Leah. Yep, there we go. Now, Paul, I feel that you, you've got a bad rap recently. Mm, I have, You're at yeah, like 52 yeah. for three or something ridiculous. Let's fresh start from zero. Yeah, sure. you want to start from zero? Sounds good Okay, so we're going to go and it's going to be, I think it's 10 questions I'm going to ask you and we're going to see who will come up with the answer. Are you ready? Yes. Ready. Okay. I'm a famous historical figure. I have been called the Maiden of Orleans. I was born in France in 1412. I was a serious girl inspired by religious visions. I led the French against the English when I was only 17. I predicted my own defeat. Leah. Yes. Florence. Nope. My execution made me a martyr. In 1920, I became a saint. I am sometimes mistaken for Noah's wife. Who am I with the initials J-O-A? Oh, Leah. Yes. Joan of Arc. Beautiful. Yay! I'm on the board. <laughs> You're on the board. You're on the board. You're on the board. I am an American actor. I was born in Berkeley, California in 1972. My middle name is Giza. I won $356,000 in the California State Poker Championships. Paul. Uh, yes. George Clooney. I played Jack Ryan in The Sum of All Fears. You can also see me in the movie Smoking Aces. My brother Casey and I share the same profession. My wife was in Alias. Matt Damon is my best friend. Who am I with the initials B.A.? Nope. Ben Affleck. Oh. I should have put there something like, you know, I love you two pieces. Okay, last one. You ready? Here we go. No pressure. I am an inventor. I was born in 1847 and died in 1931. I patent over 1,000 inventions. I gave the world electric light and an early, early record player. I also enabled people to watch moving pictures. I made great improvements to the telephone. I nicknamed Leah. Yes. Alexander Bell. Nope. I nicknamed my first children Dot and Dash. I said genius is 1% inspiration and 99%. Yes. Einstein. Nope. My father called me Alva. Who am I with the initials TE? Thomas Edison. Oh, <laughs> it was on the tip of my tongue. I, knew I, I was going to catch one. you both. I, I had one guess there that was, that was wrong anyway. What was so, your guess? Um, my guess was going to be Henry Watts, but um, <laughs> now, I was thinking a light bulb. You yeah. didn't give it a go, Paul. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got it wrong I wasn't, twice. Yeah, that's no, right. There's no... Uh, there's no negative points here, which you can guess as many times <laughs> yeah, as you like. So I do believe I might have lost again, Mia. I feel like that's mm. one zip to our guests. Paul, <laughs> as always, you're in fine form and we're glad to have you on board. <laughs> <laughs> when we come back, we're going to start our conversation with Leah about mental toughness and what mental toughness means and how we can start implementing it into our business. Stay tuned. It's Mia and Paul on Alive 90.5. And coming
coming back from the p- break, we were just having a discussion with Leah about what mental toughness is. And I'm ashamed to say that potentially you and I had a general idea, Paul, of what mm. mental toughness is. So, Leah, if you don't mind, I think Paul and I might just run a few things past about a past you about our understanding of what we think mental toughness is and you just debunk the theories and the myths around it because as we said it is something that is in its infancy but it is something that is so important for people to really understand so my understanding of mental toughness has always been that you know I was uh, I was I am (laughs) the the oldest child and I have developed uh, a tough skin and a tough exterior so when people look at me they always say to me geez you're really tough you know tough as nails Paul you've used some of that a few times when I've done a few things (laughs) never behind the back (laughs) and it's that image that you portray that people have this perception that you you are this tough person, that you can handle anything that comes your way. And I'm beginning to think after doing a little bit of research with you that while there is a small, and I'm going to be open and honest with you and say a small level of mental toughness, I think a lot of what I'm portraying is actually not a learned skill. It's more of reacting in the moment in order to put on that tough exterior. Is that something you find with people about their understanding of mental toughness? Look, absolutely. And as you say, it's not a term that is generally well known yet in business circles. It's been, uh, you know, researched and part of uh, coaching psychology for over 10 years now. And, and But in terms of bringing it out to the general business community, I think this is a fabulous place to start is, you know, what is our understanding of it and how do we relate to it? And I think that that certainly there is an element of how you're presenting to the world that that um, uh, that facade that I can handle it, and as a business owner, you absolutely have to handle it. Right? We all need to have that uh, persona. However, there is um, you know another term which I tend to use, which is more mental strength. Right, which has a, uh, I guess, a connotation of of being something that you develop over time, um, and this is where it is, um, you know, a body of work which is much deeper than just that how you appear to the rest of the world. You're absolutely right. And Paul, I think your definition of mental toughness almost falls under mental strength. Mm, yeah, when the word resilience always comes to mind to me, and uh, if I think. Uh, about uh, mental toughness in terms of, uh, but I appreciate that I may just be oversimplifying it. And uh, and even from our discussions so far, I know it goes a lot deeper than that. But certainly when I think back in terms of, uh, in, in uh, from my perspective in, in business and even uh, in my prior career in the corporate world, I've often actually looked to um, you know, hire people um, and make sure that I've got some form of resilient kind of personality about myself. So and I think some of that's been a, a learned skill over the years as well. And, but, yeah, resilience is certainly one way that I would I think about mental toughness. Yes, and thank you, Paul. And I guess that, again, is very much a term that uh, we're familiar with. There is resilience courses, resilience coaches. Um, it's about that bouncing back, isn't it? It's about mm. soldiering mm. on. It's mm. about not f- feeling or you can feel like the sky's falling in, but there's always a way. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another distinction that is coming through with current research into this area where resilience is now being termed as that 
um, a strength that we develop over time as a result of all the hard knocks. Is right? that resilience, when you, you talk about resilience being formed, is that something that you form, you say because of the hard knocks, but is it to do with just life that's happening what's happening on the outside more to do with what's happening in a business environment so if you've had a really hard life your reaction to certain instances is going to be very different to somebody who's had a cushioned silver spoon life is that the wrong assumption to make around this look it's certainly considerations to be taken on board and i think if we had the the magic pill for that the answer to that um, then we would have the cure for, for mental illness, would we not? Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. you know, what is becoming more and more evident with all the research into biology, into our genes, you know, whilst there might be not that much physical, you know, dissimilarity in our genes, certainly the way we react and respond to things each individual is even more unique. So if you look at what Paul and I have said, coming from two very different perspectives on our understanding of mental toughness and mental strength, what is your definition? My definition, uh, I go back to um, the founders of the mental toughness body of work, which I'll come back to, but I guess firstly, to, to put it into perspective where of resilience, where if resilience is something we have developed and, and continue to develop and, and, and need, you know often need more education around how to continue to develop resilience, that is our responsiveness to what has happened in the past. Grit is another word that is often interchanged with resilience or mental Mm. health, mental strength, um, mental toughness. So grit is more about that future goal and who do I need to be and how do I need to be? How am I going to push through today to actually achieve in the future? Mental toughness is how do I deal with exactly what's in front of me in this moment? Mm. So it's it's consciousness it's living working leading with intention and consciousness that's how i frame up why this is so vital for each and every business owner to take on board as a self-assessment self-reflection of how well are you doing today on dealing with what you've got on your plate today and as you go through those questions do you see the relationship shifting between reaction and action? Is that the right way of saying it, where we're now training ourselves to, instead of react to a situation, we're training ourselves to take that step back and go, right, let's analyse the situation and make the right assumption, whereas as opposed to doing the emotional reaction? Look, you know, and that's, again, one of my favourite areas of work. Um, and, and this goes back to... Uh, we are humans. We have that emotional mm. brain which mm. always reacts first. Let's embrace that. Mm. Never lose your spontaneity, Mia. Mm. <laughs> you know, never, <laughs> yeah. never I don't lose that fire. I don't think that's going to happen. Never lose that fire. One, right? of, the, one of the interesting things that you heard talk about earlier on as well was around how there's a lot of coaching and training around resilience because um, my experience in, in my in my life has often been a case of it's been um, it, it's very much a being it's been experiential in terms of I've gone through situations and tried to 
learn on the situations. And look, I probably could say that I've been lucky enough, um, certainly in the corporate world, to have a, um, a number of good um, yeah, coaches and mentors around me to be able to help me with that, um, sometimes very on a very informal basis. Um, but uh, certainly I, I found that that's, that's helped develop myself. But it's great to hear that um, there are ways that this can be you know, more formally learned there as well. And I know that you do what you call on-the-job learning, reviewing, going again, do it better. Talk us through what that entails. Yes, this is the um, the the work I do in 3D learning where we're actually we're, we're learning and doing on-the-job reviewing and, and going again. So we're actually putting into action what we're learning because we are bombarded with information are we not we're in the era of mm. infobesity how on earth does a what a wonderful we are and it's we're going to add that to the mia dictionary no, that's all dictionary thanks <laughs> infobesity wow and, it, and as a business owner what do you believe Right, and I say, look, let's just put the beliefs aside and let's have a look at what you're doing. Let's have a look at what's working. And let and, and there's another beautiful principle I use, the Moo principle, which is just make one change at a time. Oh, wow. And that was developed out of Queensland University. The Moo principle is a, oh. as a significant, like a basic way of doing science. Oh, my goodness. I want to tell you, it's a good thing we're on the radio because my facial expressions, <laughs> I think Paul is probably trying I'm not trying to laugh. Them. <laughs> yeah. You have those nugget moments, you know, those golden nuggets, the moo principle. What a phenomenal I mean we we know that, don't we? We know mm. it every day. Yeah. Make one change. Yeah. But oh, okay, I'm just blah 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> my mind is blown away. I think Paul, we're gonna have to just take a break now. I, think we we'll need take, to, I will take a break oh, whilst we wrap uh, my we, mind un- around unwrap your uh, your reaction. Yeah, unwrap my reaction. And when we come back, Leah, we, we'll talk a little bit about why do you focus on this aspect of mindset? And I should point out, Paul, which I think you, you didn't point out, that the music today is compliments of Leah. She has picked her power songs, those songs that get her through the day, get her through that running, which Paul has committed to run every day too. <laughs> that was several years ago. You know, absolutely, yeah. No, we've, uh, we always get our guests to choose some, some wonderful music. And uh, oh, I have to say, Leah, cool, oh, you've excelled. Cool, cool um, if, uh, I looked at the choice of music today. I thought absolutely fantastic. So uh, so thank you very much and uh, hope everybody's enjoying it. Yeah, You're listening to Live 90.5. Uh, pair up with Mia and Paul. And when we left just before the break, Leah blew us away with the Moo principle and completely threw Paul and I off our change of, mm. of, of our, our way of thinking and where we were going with the conversation because it's just phenomenal. I, I love having guests like you, Leah, because the insight that you have in different aspects and avenue, it just blows my mind. Absolutely, yeah. We like being taken by surprise yeah. as well, don't we? <laughs> Although that was, that was a real cork of that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about our learning. Yeah, correct. So, Leah, when we left, uh, we were talking about the definition of mental toughness and you really clarified quite a few things for us. So why have you decided to focus specifically on this aspect of mindset? That's a really good question, Mia. And um, and it, it it's part and parcel of partly who, what I feel defines me in terms of my modus operandi in life has always been competitive, always been, you know, 
go go for it and and live life to the to the max. I mean, we didn't see that in the game at all. No, no, I didn't no, see that. No, at not all. at all. <laughs> Climbing over the desk, turning your microphone. On the, on the, on the starting blocks of the marathon, <laughs> I, I didn't, I, didn't I, see that. I could confess, I was terrified of losing, <laughs> but I did notice I was willing. I was willing to fail as well. I was mm. willing to take a go, and that's new for me. Mm. So I've got new mm. learnings as well. And I noticed you you had some ideas, and you didn't want to fail, Paul. Mm. Yeah, no. <laughs> sometimes it's about uh, not wanting to be too stupid with my answers, but. Anyway. <laughs> Now, but isn't that just indicative mm. of exactly why mental toughness Absolutely. is yeah. such an important topic? We've got a real live example of just how important it is to us, how other people see us. Mm. And mm. we are in a judgmental world. We have seven seconds to make an impression. Mm. So mm. if we don't rock your world in seven mm. seconds... It's all over. That, that's uh, that's an amazing stat, isn't it? Really, seven seconds to make any make an impression, and 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 it's always been. I think it's one of those things that everybody's always thought that first impressions are always important. Um, but a first impression is purely seven seconds. Do you think that's changed um, as uh, as we evolve more in terms of is that technology that's changed there? Generational change? What do, what do you view there? Definitely. I mean, you know, in my day, it used to be thirty seconds <laughs> oh, <laughs> before wow. the internet, right? Um, but yeah, definitely. You know, when you look at the studies of um, our ability to concentrate, and it, it is down to five to seven seconds now. So, and this is why so much of my work is I'm getting more and more specific in what I focus on because it's coming down from the the clouds, from the, you know, the cloud, right? Everyone's going up into the cloud, but we've got to get down into what really matters right now. Mm. And that's what I love about the mental toughness model being, right, scientifically uh, researched and proven in psychology by, in, and peer-reviewed, and it's, it's the constantly being um, researched and improved and in fact the first global conference is over in London in June and I'll be going to that Um, but just I suppose to come back to the formal definition it it is a a model that's been developed uh, by Doug uh, Strikakis and excuse me if I haven't pronounced your name right Doug (laughs) uh, and Peter Clough Right. So, and um, and and uh, developing mental toughness is really the first uh, text that that kind of encompasses the the methodology. But in terms of what it actually is defined as, would that be helpful to just? Yeah, it would absolutely. But we've got to go off to a news break before we we do that and. We're going to come back to the definition, okay. which is great. But I really also want to get into those four pillows. Is is that? Yes. Yeah. That's the four pillars is the definition. Oh, beautiful. I'm so excited to hear about those four pillars because, again, it's one of those blow my mind moments, still reeling from what you've said. And when I was reading through these four pillows, intuitively, Paul, it just makes so much sense, doesn't mm. it? Intuitively, yeah, no, we know this stuff. But it's having it someone state it in a different way and having it backed up by our research is always is always critically important. Even if it's something we already know, to have it stated in a different way and to know that we're on the right track is, yeah, to me, that's that's important. Yeah, absolutely. So when we come back, Leah, we're going to talk about that definition and go through those four pillars. And I'm pretty excited about this topic. I didn't realise it was going to blow my mind as much as it is. So we'll come back after the news we left off with Leah we were going to get the definition of mental toughness and we alluded a little bit to the seven pillars and I'd really like to get into those seven pillars with you Leah. Excellent so this, there's seven pillars. Oh sorry seven pillars was four pillars that yes. I wanted to get into my apologies. Yeah well they're all pillars right? 
<laughs> I guess when you look at it, because they're all uh, facets of what is um, what is enabling us to be as effective and efficient as we can in business uh, and in life. And mm. uh, so the four pillars, firstly, of mental toughness, and again, it's it is about language and. And this is why I love the specificity of working with um, psychology research-based models because the language we use defines our reality. I right? like that. I so, like that concept, and how yeah. we speak to ourselves defines our reality. Mm. So, the four pillars um, of mental toughness are the four C's. So, one being challenge, the second being confidence. The third being control, and the fourth is commitment. So the um, definition, as defined by Doug and and Peter, were is it's the person the mental toughness is the personality trait that determines in large part how people deal effectively with challenge, stresses, and pressure, irrespective of circumstances. So the four C's of mental toughness so challenge means do we see every challenge as an opportunity so when we do that we're developing our challenge pillar right confidence what's our level of self-belief and it's the and this is interesting it's not it's not how well you do something it's do you believe you can do it well? I want to mm. just jump in here quickly because mm. you spoke about challenge, um, seeing challenge as an opportunity. How do you work with people so that they go away from that negative? Because let's be honest, a lot of people see a challenge and they build this huge big wall. And the reality is, is that all you need is a little, uh, a little crack in the wall and you're able to actually break down anything if there's a little crack and ability to get through. But so many people sit with the negative, they see the wall, they take five steps back and there's no cracks. So how do you change that thinking to go, hang on, when you say challenge, we want to rephrase that to opportunity. That's a really good point, Mia, and I think as, as I'm listening to you, it also highlights the value of having that, that professionally trained mentor come coach, come thinking partner, right? Someone who can challenge your thinking and show you another way or guide you into another way without making you feel wrong. Mm. Right, mm. because that's one of the biggest challenges. Right, where a lot of our mindset is defined by the time we're seven. Right, oh, so there's wow. a lot of focus <laughs> on how our parents and our caregivers have spoken to us. Right, and so that's why psychologists and counsellors' rooms are full. Right, mm. because that old voice is what's creating that wall today. So when you're talking about building the challenge into opportunity pillar that's really getting the coaching and mentoring as a ceo as a high performance person you actually are going to need to get somebody in to train that muscle to build the pillar look and and this is where one of my favorite quotes is einstein right where you know we cannot solve the problem with the same level of thinking with which we created it we cannot solve the problem with the same level of thinking with which we created it. And I love that for two reasons. One, because it's making me t- 
take responsibility for having something to do with this challenge in front of me. Yeah. And it's also giving me that responsibility that it's up to me to do something about it, mm, mm, mm. to find a way. Find the opportunity. I just, I just love those, um, some of those old Einstein quotes as well because um, myself and uh, Leah were talking uh, before you arrived at the studio today, Leah, around uh, how some theory that's still very relevant in, in this day and age and uh, it, it's great to think about some of that old theory that still stands up the test of time today. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's another one, that, the one I love is about the, the person definition of insanity as well. I think it's always, always a good one. And it's funny when you, when you say that. First of all, I thought we were going to talk about the first definition of insanity, but there are some familiar themes, but it's certainly very um, Einstein-esque anyway. Well, exactly. And if things don't change, things don't change. So you've right? spoken about the, the first C, which is the challenges, and taking a challenge and finding the opportunity in the challenge. And then you moved on to confidence when I interrupted you so rudely, having a high level of self-belief. Yes. And again, who who do you know who has a truly 10 out of 10 in self-belief? Oh, well, when you oh. find that person, bring it to me. <laughs> <laughs> and it comes back to how we show ourselves mm. to the world versus mm. what's really going on underneath. Mm. It right? goes back to that original statement I made at the beginning where you perceive yourself as being mentally tough, but it's actually not what you're doing. It's that perception that you want the world to see. Yes, yes. And, and this is where, again, that is really a lifelong piece of work to continue to build and grow our self-belief, right? Because, and again, this is why behaviour is so important because when we do um, achieve something we didn't think we could, how do we feel about that, right? We have achieved, we are feeling like winners. That's done and dusted. That's no longer a challenge because our behaviour, we've provided evidence, we've handled it, yeah. we can do it. Mm. So to be continued, and it is the human condition to be seeking continual growth and to be seeking well-being. And I suppose right? what we forget is even high-level CEOs are crippled by self-doubt and, and their confidence takes knocks. I mean, I have no doubt that the CEO of Commonwealth Bank, even though he's twice removed, 65,000 times removed away from the Royal Commission, the self-confidence has taken, it must have taken a knock. And how do you bounce back from that? And whether it's something as big in public as that or as private as your numbers have dropped down and productivity is down, profitability is down, culture is down, the confidence takes a knock. Nobody's super here, you know, Superman here. Exactly. And, you know, and this is where, again, what are the elements or the pillars that build confidence? And that's a huge body of work as well, Mm. right? That, again, when we work on our mental toughness, confidence becomes a product of working on our mental toughness. So we've worked, we've now looked at challenges and turning them into opportunities. Mm. We're now understanding the importance of confidence and building up the confidence. So where do we go from there? Well, commitment is a really important one and it's quite a a simple one in the sense that it is simply stick to the task and finish. So that's another area of work I work very closely with clients is to help them to start seeing the job done. Like what's your three most important tasks today that are taking you towards your weekly goal and do you have a weekly goal, right? And do those tasks take you closer? See yourself finished finishing those tasks in the day and then self-monitor. And that's a big mm. thing when you talk about commitment and you're talking about 
daily finishing daily tasks i can honestly tell you that i've got a few daily tasks that should have been finished three weeks ago don't we all? and it's just <laughs> you get distracted by unimportant things and i know i wake up in the morning i don't know about you paul but i know that these three things need to get done and it's not going to take me long to do it but i get distracted by oh look at the last blue light that just came out from the sky and commitments i suppose is so important and i do believe commitment these days is a learned skill it's not something that we're innately born with anymore and i think you could say also that uh, self-monitoring is easier said than done oh 100%. Um, certainly i think we both relate to that <laughs> i self-monitor myself at 100 percent all the time <laughs> <laughs> look and and absolutely and that is something that uh, again, self-assessment, self-monitoring is a key to growth mm. because when we do that and we see even one point of progress creates that sense of well-being, right? And this also then builds into the fourth pillar, which is control. And I, you know, and this is a big one for, for most business owners, right, is, you know, do you believe you control your destiny. And as business owners, we know there are so many external factors mm. that we are not able to control, right? Absolutely. But what are those factors that we can work with to build that sense of control and skills to control? And that's also where specific skilled um, coaching and leadership development works. I think that was another question one of mm. your listeners. How do you choose a leadership mm. program? Everybody mm. is selling mm. some kind of Kool-Aid these days. And this is where that um, strategy discussion to unveil exactly what you need right now as a business owner, as in terms of where you are in your business and your life, is such a critical discussion to have because that's the way you will make better decisions about how you invest your professional de development time and money. And it's interesting that everything is intertwined. The four pillars are intertwined. It doesn't appear to me that they can work in silos because if I am waking up in the morning believing that 90% of my day I have no control over, immediately my self-confidence is going to take a big whack. I'm not going to be committed to those, that, you know, the 10% or the 20% that I do have control over. And all the challenges that are sitting in front of me are now just that, they're challenges. They're no longer opportunities because I just woke up this morning and I felt like the world was against me. Yeah. And There's a mind shift, set shift there, I think, Mia. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll get on to that one. <laughs> we'll spend some time with Lee. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we'll knock that out yeah. pretty quickly. <laughs> but I don't think I'm unique in that thinking because, you know, it doesn't take much to knock someone's self-confidence. It could be as something silly as one of your clients saying, you know what, I, I don't want your services for the next three months because I don't need it. It could be something as major as the Royal Commission coming in and changing everything. But the end result is the same. Your confidence has been has taken a big smack. Oh, absolutely. And this is why it's so important to be so locked in and committed to your purpose and your why. And why are you in business? What are you wanting to achieve? What outcomes are most valuable to you? And after the break, when we come back, Paul was talking about... Uh, a certain part of well the, the society that 
automatically we all assume has that mental toughness and it's very interesting what he was saying around that and would love to get a little bit more feedback you started giving us feedback but we stopped you because i honestly think it's something we need to give to our listeners too you're listening to a live 90.5 this is power up with Mia and paul and our guest today leah and uh leah um just uh thinking about uh, mental uh, toughness there again and uh, just uh, the thought that crossed my mind is that is it a personality trait or is it something that can can be learned and I guess where I'm going with this is that if you think about uh, people in the in certain roles in the military, the Navy SEALs, we see in movies, and we see sort of like where there has to be a, a very strong amount of, uh, of mental toughness there. And and obviously these are people that um, you know have to be naturally high performers in, uh, in in what they do. So I just really want to get your, your thoughts on that in terms of is it something that can be learned or is it something that people are born with? Yeah, and that's a, a really good distinction you've made there around what does your role require right and and the navy seal though they and those uh, really intense um, high performing roles it is going to be a certain personality type that's going to put themselves up for those roles but there's also because the role demands it and it's about their desire to want to be challenging themselves at that intensity so that's a really good point to make. If we bring it back to the CEO and the business owner, that's definitely, you are the Navy SEAL of your business. You absolutely need to be performing at your, um, you know, it, at your highest possible level because, you know, your, your team is relying on you. Your, your mortgage is relying on you. You're, you know, you've chosen to be a business owner, to be self-generating, and that requires a high level of performance. So, but not all roles do. Right? Sorry, I just want to take you back a step quickly uh, yeah. before you you talk about not all roles requiring this high level thinking. Do you find that business owners are not realizing that they need to be thinking like a CEO? That they they shouldn't discount the fact that whether you are a CEO of a huge big corporate or whether you're a business owner of four or five people, the thinking needs to be at a relatively similar level. Look, more and more so, Mia, and again, this is where we are in this incredibly increasing world of um, competitiveness, and I think we're going to come back and look at, you know, where the world work, world of work is going. And absolutely, it's, it, this is where what I find is that business owners are so busy doing and implementing and keeping the lights on and doing what needs to be done to, to, to plug the gaps and keep the, the money coming in and product going out. They don't have time to think about themselves or do, do mindset work as such. Right. And this is one of the challenges is that, yeah, that they they are not um, they're not seeing themselves as that Navy SEAL or that that CEO. And, and you were saying before I interrupted you that not everybody needs to be thinking like this. You know, not everyone has to have this mental toughness. Is that correct? This it comes back to what's the role? What outcomes do you want to produce and how important is it to you? Right. So, so, and that's one of the the big questions, particularly uh, in HR. And Paul, with your background in HR, you'd relate to this: is what 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 traits and attributes are required that are going to like predict success? That was very much sort of old world thinking, but there's still a lot of truth in considering that. But these days, there is so much more. There is 
all about the the values match there's there's so much more to consider but it comes back to what does the role require and definitely back to your question paul can it be learned absolutely and that's what i teach and then that rolls into how do you know how much mental toughness do you need and how much do you have right now and how on earth do you measure it oh that's a wonderful Mm -hmm. question because you know paul was talking about the navy seals and i remember watching uh a TV series a couple of weeks ago, Jack Ryan, and they were showing in an environment where they were going in to get somebody from some country. <laughs> I won't be more specific than that. But they knew the schematics of the house. They knew where everything was right down to the light switch next to the bed. And they had formed, they had rebuilt this entire room. And they constantly and continuously went in there, changed scenarios, had the lights on, had the lights off, had noise, had no noise, just constantly doing the same thing. Well, I appreciate a CEO, this might be something that they look at. If I've got a salesperson or someone in HR or someone in the call center, I imagine there should be some level of toughness there already, but it wouldn't need to be at such a high level. So what is that measurement? That's a really good question and it does come back to what outcomes does the role need to produce, right? So the outcomes a CEO is going to produce are bigger and there are bigger consequences, Mm -hmm. right? So perhaps it's a study of consequences of like what's it going to take to produce those outcomes, what happens if they don't and what skills, attributes and, um, and, and and thinking levels, if you like, mm-hmm. are required for that role. But interesting, if you change its consequences, all of a sudden those four pillars you've just spoken about become even more apparent because if we look at consequences and we look at the negative, now if the consequence is that performance is going to be down, I'm going to my, you know, I'm going to be riddled with self-doubt again. Things are just going to go pear-shaped again. So what is the measurement? If I'm a CEO and Paul is the, let's give you some fantastic, role within an organisation um, the make me a CFO I'm going to give you the dispatch supervisor <laughs> <laughs> what is the difference because I imagine regardless of the role we need that we need that kind of uh, a certain level of toughness um, Let me. I'm going to let you ponder on that because we just want to quickly go to a quick break uh, and when we come back I'd love to just, to just determine what is those levels yep. where, where are we now versus where we should be and how do we determine what they are and when we left off, Leah, we were painting a scenario with you that uh, myself as a CEO versus Paul, who is a dispatch supervisor, we both need a level of toughness. But how do we measure what our current levels of toughness are in our independent roles versus where they should be? And how do we then start building it up to that level? That's a really good question, uh, Mia. And, and this is where, again, depending on the business owner's appetite for how deep they want to go with this. Like I have a whole uh, mental toughness uh, assessment process that will actually give you um, definitives around that and and go deep into that. But the initial place to start is what outcomes does that role need to produce? What are the challenges or obstacles likely to be in the way of producing those outcomes and what's the it's like again where we're rating on a scale of zero to ten how much stress does that role require and and like and again this is where the ceo and the business owner you know by default it's a 10 out of 10 because the buck stops with you Mm. 
right? If those sales are not coming through the door, if that profit's not going up, if people are not engaged and wanting to 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 be be there and give their all in your business, then you know these are the the vital signs, if you like. It's right? almost like a rolling uh, a rolling snowball effect. So, for example, yeah. as the dispatch manager, if you're not dispatching on time, you're going to get a phone call from the client, mm. and you've got to be able to deal with that. But then the reaction to that is you're going to get hold of, for example, the sales manager and say, hey, why are you promising X, Y, and Z when you know fully well that we're at capacity and it's not going to happen? And then the rolling knock-on effect of that is the sales manager is going to go to the business owner and say, you are driving me to get more sales, but you're not providing me with adequate production. So it becomes this huge, big circle. And it seems that as we climb the chain of responsibility, the pressure and the stresses seem to compound dramatically. And you know when you've got that blame and shame culture mm, that mm. the boat is sinking. Oh, yeah, and that's where we, that's where we bring Paul in. He's fantastic that, at working in the blame and shame yeah, culture. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's fair to say like a whole deep subject that it's so right, that one. Yeah, but it does involve learning how to deal with every mm. situation that's going to come your way. And exactly what you were saying is that not everybody requires a – Navy SEAL mental toughness Mm. but we do have to have a certain level of toughness because we all know dealing with an unhappy client who hasn't for example received an order you're going to have to be able to deal with that professionally you're going to have to be able to understand that it's not your self-confidence that's taking the knot Mm. you need to be able to have that commitment to stand by what is happening and be able to voice it and then the confidence to be the person you want it to be you know so that that image comes across so you should be building it throughout all your staff anyway yeah, it's a lot bigger than just having a script of mm. if it goes here, go say this, yeah. if it goes there, say that. It's a lot bigger than that, isn't it? It goes back to those four pillars, doesn't it? If I have the confidence yeah. within my environment mm-hmm. to do something, yep. then I'm going to perform the way I need to. I'm going to start de- mm. developing that mo- mental toughness, that strength that you're speaking about. Yep. And all of a sudden, and this is something Paul and I both mm. believe in, that high productivity, high performance team mm. starts to build because everybody takes a higher level of investment within the company and they just want to be better. And you're and that also requires the right structure in place. Mm-hmm. And people need to know, right, roles and responsibilities. That's one of those, you know, that the the standard, stock standard requirement in a business. And and I think a lot of these sorts of, you know, um, what what are par for the course in a corporate are often lacking in the small business where mm-hmm. the individual might not actually know exactly what is expected of them and what is okay and what's not okay. And so that's a whole other, you know, rabbit warren yeah. as well. So you, you've spoken about the four pillars. Now, in order to build, to, to build those four pillars, we need to unlock all the pieces of uh, little bricks and mortar. We've got to get into that. So do you have keys or strategies in which people can start working towards building these pillars Funny you should mention that. (laughs) (laughs) And again, this is what I love about language and models and stratification. And um, there are actually seven keys to mental toughness that I'm seeing in, um, in business, in CEOs, in small business and I and so I think I will uh, go through it quickly if we've got yeah, time yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, do. Yep. So the seven keys are quite um, specific in terms of, again, from a self-rating point of view. But firstly, you've got to have a hunger to achieve. You've got to want something, 
right? And it's got to be hunger for business results, not just hunger for cheesecake, right? <laughs> Although, guilty. We, <laughs> guilty, I know. That's my go-to. <laughs> but you've got to be hungry for the business or hungry to achieve in your role, mm-hmm. right? And again, Paul, you know, I'm sure when you're hiring people, this is where you're looking for what they naturally bring. Mm. So hunger for results. Be very results-driven, outcomes-driven. Business owners don't buy mindset work. They buy better business outcomes. And that's why this is, the, this is, my, this is my brand promise. Your business outcomes will improve because of the work we do together. So you've got to be results, folks. And again, that's honing which results matter most, whole other body of work, mm-hmm. right? The third thing then, obviously, is this mindset. We're constantly needing to work on our mental toughness. It's a marathon mindset. Growing a business, leading a business is a marathon, not a sprint. Mm. So, too, is our journey into this a healthy a healthy level of mental toughness because you can't be in peak performance all the time as much as i love it when i am you human, have a breakdown human, won't you it's, it, yeah. again, that's that's the extreme of that overachiever right which is often a you know a trait we're seeing a lot in in younger women and it's again another whole topic but the overachiever so it's this healthy level of mental toughness the mindset work is is ongoing because when we've got that when we're hungry when we've got results focus and the mindset work then the vision and the strategy for our business and our life of what we want to produce over the next 5 years 10 years 20s that falls out Right, mm, and that's interesting because we find uh, in both of our respective uh, jobs—well, say jobs, but our companies—when we're working with organisations, they don't have that vision and they don't have that strategy. But it seems that there's a few things that need to be happening before that actually just falls out. Because, mm. I mean, and Paul talks about it all the time when he's trying to get that vision out of business owners. It's like pulling teeth, but it seems that they're missing. The why? Why are you here to start mm. off with? Is mm. there that hunger? And if all of that's in place, it looks like it's just going to, you know, mm. come out. And that's also the power of skillful facilitation, which you know clearly you both have, and it is core to mental toughness, right? And core to getting to the core mm. of what's yeah. really important, yeah, right? Because when the vision and strategy fall out, you know it's like you're going the right way. When mm. there's resistance, there's something to be dealt with. And often it, the resistance is simply, I can't juggle all the balls I've got in here. How on earth do you expect me to see yeah. past next month? Yeah, and then yeah. you go back to, well, do you want it bad enough? And they do, though. Desire and passion alone is not enough, right? It's just not enough. Mm. You've got to have it, mm. but it's not enough to push through. This is where the new skills, the, the, the your competitive edge is going to come from developing new ways of thinking to be able to be that high performer and a well-being at the same time. And that's what I'm doing with my running, my health, my morning rituals. It is. It's about the Navy SEALs again. Mm, mm. And it's about, you know, preparation, the visualising and mm. practising before you actually go out in front of a client or mm. before you deliver the vision to the mm. company because mm. people have to buy into your vision. You've yeah. got to sell it. I think Michael Jordan, I, th- I think it was Michael Jordan. If it wasn't, I apologise, Mr Jordan. Um, he said, you know, I made 10,000 mistakes off the court so that when I got on the court, I made none. 
but mm. I needed to be making those mistakes every time I went on to go practice. Yes. I wasn't thinking as deep as that. I was just thinking that we should get our running shoes out again, Mia. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you five o'clock tomorrow morning. If I'm not there, just start without me. <laughs> okay, so that's so, now the fourth one yes. that you've gone through, yeah. Yeah, so we've got a hunger for results and the marathon mindset the vision and the strategy will fall out when you've got those Mm. those basics in place and then you also need that brains trust of people that will challenge you and people Mm. that you can support Mm. we are social beings you cannot run this race alone Mm. and it's got to be more than a breakfast network meeting or dinner it's bigger than that the brains trust is actually a working part is that something because i i'm i love the idea of a brain brain trust and i call it my circle of eight and what it is it's those and i don't mean in any derogatory form so please just take it in from which it comes it's the gray-haired men and women sitting around the table who you can bounce ideas off that they've made those mistakes before they've been there before and now they're able to say hey Mia, what are you doing? I've done this. It doesn't work. Or I can say to somebody, Paul, no, you know, let's let's look at that again. There's a fundamental flaw in your thinking, but they've got to be of your peers. And I say they've got to not only be of my peers, but they've got to be four steps ahead of where I am. Yes, and here is that multi-generational concept again. And we can learn from the millennials. My goodness, aren't they just brimming with confidence and oh, control, yeah. Yeah. right? And so, and we learn from the wisdom of the men and women that have been before us. And we've got to be working with current strategies that are working in the current market mm. right now. We've got to bring it all together. And that's where, you know, in corporates, I will always, always advise my clients to go find a sponsor, someone who is that four steps ahead of you, who can be your sounding board and you can can understand what their thinking strategies Mm. have been. And there are organisations that do that now that they can help you connect to the right people. Smaller businesses you know, we don't have capacity for that. And that's why the networking or uh, businesses, the groups, again, it's so important to define what it is you bring to Mm. that group and what do you want from that group and how can you serve and how can you... We're going to take a very short break very quickly because I want to finish this conversation and then we've got the girls from Pick and Mix who want to come in. So we're just going to go to a quick sponsor announcement and we'll be back very shortly. And when we left off, Leah, we were on the sixth key and we were just going to touch on the seventh key very quickly. And before you talk about the seventh key, can we get access? Do you have a document or something that we can have a look at, send off to our listeners? I do indeed. And it's a it's a template that I do use with my clients that, again, is aimed to help you learn more efficiently and apply what you learn. So we've got the seven keys there, which uh, I encourage you to self-rate yourself on a scale of zero to 10 in each of these areas, because that will give you your first set of data points as to where you see yourself Mm -hmm. right now and then work with the questions and see how that logic flow works for you because again that's going to help you define what kind of mentoring coaching consulting might be useful for you right now so uh Paul, we'll just post that on our LinkedIn profiles mm, mm, with absolutely. a link to it and we'll get it on our Facebook profiles with a link on. So, uh, listeners, you know how to get in touch with us and uh, just grab that, that PDF from us there. Absolutely. And, okay, so the seventh one, the seventh key to unlocking this mental toughness. Ah, the seventh one, Mia, is uh, music to both our <laughs> ears um, and that is sales. Oh, I love it. I love it. 
You had me at sales. I, I, I love all you your need to, You need to go any further. It's like really bringing out, you know, what, what comes up for you when you think about sales. And a business owner doesn't traditionally see themselves as a, as a salesperson typically. And yet... In today's world, again, Mm. every business owner must have selling, whether we're selling an idea, a product, our business to a new employee, we need to have those skills. And again, some of the old-fashioned way of doing things are still, you know, absolutely appropriate now, but there's a whole, you know, it's a lot... With, with the internet, with social, um, so-called selling, that it, again, that's a whole body of work in itself. But that, without sales, a business dies and the sales have to keep going up and they've got to be profitable. That's right. And, and I've had this discussion before. I did a workshop with 14 business owners and asked them how many of them were sale, uh, got their sales or well, how many of them were driven by sales and they said none of their business came from sales and I had to remind them that 100% of your profits comes from sales and we redefined sales and what sales actually meant and all of a sudden 100% of them said yes 100% of my profits come from sales and in the next 12 months my business goes under because I don't know how to sell. Mm, so it's quite a profound statement you've made. I have had Leah the most fantastic time with you and I feel like we've run out of time. I've already already invited Leah back. I've already heard that, Mia. I've invited to come back later on the year because um, look, thank you, Leah. It's been fantastic to learn from you this afternoon and uh, I feel there's so much more that content and and value you can add um, to uh, to our listeners. So we'd love to have you back later in the year if that's okay. Oh, I'd love to come back. And again, you know, download the PDF and if there's any questions, um, bring them through, for, you know, through Paul and Mia and um, Absolutely. You know, let's make 2019 our, our best year yet.